Universally acclaimed, it's another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show where three writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. And our guest today has to be introduced as, quote-unquote, no one, and, quote-unquote, just a person. Please welcome to the show, Charlie Steingard. Hello. Welcome. Yeah, Charlie, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your qualifications? Sure. I feel like I have none of those things. I am a friend of Arthur. I guess my only claim to fame is that I was the person who told Arthur to watch Fullmet Alchemist way back when. It's a big claim to fame. General f- fan of the podcast, fan of the show. Longtime listener, first time fan. You probably had no idea what you were starting when you put Arthur on this path. You had no idea. Absolutely no idea. I gave him uh, a very very lucrative career in podcasting. It's that domino meme, but at the bottom it's like Charlie introduces (laughs) Arthur to anime, and then all the way to the top is people hate the Full Metal Alchemist Panda for some reason. I like the panda. Yeah, oh, welcome yeah. to. You know what? Let's just no, get this out of, out no, of the way with no, another no, 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 segment no, 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 of. No, 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 stop. You can't do that. You can't do that. I'm the one that starts off the show. I decide where those segments are. Roll that panda talk music. It wasn't even in the episode. It, it is not in this episode. All right, let's remove the panda talk music. There's the yeah. Episode. I'd like to start things off by asking the question we always ask whenever we have a new guest, which is. You know, kind of, you kind of breached the topic a little bit, but how did you get into Fullmetal Alchemist? See, I remembered watching it in middle school, and I looked and realized that Fullmetal Alchemist was not out when I was in middle school. So clearly that was wrong. Uh, <laughs> Were you watching the 2003 version? No, which I'd never seen. So what I think happened is that in high school, I was part of a sci-fi movie club at my school. Over the course of like four weeks, we watched Ghost in the Shell, and then we watched the Cowboy Bebop movie. And I was like, wow, these are both really good. And then I started watching Cowboy Bebop, and then I watched Fullmetal Alchemist, and I thought, wow, these are both really good shows. I like this. And then I started watching a lot of other stuff and thought, wow, there's a lot of not very good anime. I think that over the last you know, few years, I have realized that some of this stuff is very good, and a lot of it is very bad. I think we can all agree. And yeah, I think shortly after you watched it, you recommended to me, because I was in high school too. I actually think that I started watching it while it was still on, but didn't know that it was still on. I just kind of ran out of episodes and was like, huh. And then came back like a year later and watched the end of it. Oh, wow. Interesting. But I don't actually know. So this week's episode is The Northern Wall of Briggs. It was directed by Hiroshi Kahada. We already talked about them. They directed Dory of Darkness, Those Who Lurk on the Ground, and a couple more before and after this. And it was written by Shotaro Suga, also talked about them before. They wrote Father, Backs in the Distance, and a couple more before and after this. We're getting to the part of the show where they just loop over the same, like, four to five writers and directors because they get it because they're yeah they need to yeah and it's all so continuous now they knew how many episodes they wanted from the beginning so it's easier to be like all right you direct 10 episodes you direct seven all right let's just go instead of trying to find new people and now we're going to move on to our improvised recap this is the moment in the podcast where one of us will do a 21 second improvised recap of what happened in this week's episode and that person will be chosen by the roll of a dice if it on one, it's me. If it on two, it's Arthur. If it on three, it's Mike. And if it lands on four, it's our guest, Charlie. So let's roll the dice. One, it's me. Boo. <laughs> three, two, one, go. Kimberly finds Scar and they fight in the train and Kimberly gets impaled, but Scar gets away. And meanwhile, Ed and Al got to North City. And when they get to North City, they find this strange guy with a super awesome automail. And then they get to the giant wall and they think, find out, oh my God, there's Olivia right there. All right, great. We're going to get into the wall now. That's it. 
I'm, I'm glad you said that because I like Michelle can certify like I turned to him and said she is pretty fucking cool. This week we're going to do something special. This is going to be the earliest edition of First Take Theater in the podcast history so far. So bring on the classical music. As we welcome you to First Take Theater, reading actual posts from people who watched the show as it aired. In honor of this being Major General Olivier Armstrong's first episode, here now is a collection of comments about her. Wow, Olivier! What a woman! Olivier has some pretty big lips. Olivier is one sexy beast of a woman. I wouldn't want to meet her in the dark alley. Or maybe I would. <laughs> Not a fan of her voice, but love those lips. Olivier, you sexy beast. Them lips, drools. She's fucking hot. I mean, look at that lip. I'd eat <laughs> I'd eat that. Ew. Oh Ew. And that was First Take Theater, proving that when it comes to hot takes, there's nothing like the first. <laughs> wow, I mean, wow, you're really finding him. You're doing, you're doing God's work. The funny God's thing work. is, if Olivier were there, she would destroy all of those people. Yeah, I don't think we've had a character introduction just like that, where she's maybe in the episode for what, fifty seconds, sixty seconds, two minutes, two minutes max, and she just totally makes this is what okay, this is what her character is. Right, the episode is suddenly all about her, even though she's the very last piece. It's funny because I was thinking about episodes and like. Oh, yeah, Northern Wall Briggs. This is the episode with Olivier. And I watched the episode and was like, man, can't wait for Olivier to show up. And I was like, wow, this, this fight between Scar and Kimberly is really going on. And I was like, oh, at the end, Olivier showed up. I was like, oh, wow, that's all she came up in this episode? <laughs> like, that's how strong of an impression she makes. And perhaps also, conversely, how little of an impression the rest of the episode made in comparison. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. What? Whoa. Whoa. What? Well, here's the thing. This episode kind of stood out for me because the past two episodes have been particularly... Um, okay, I think the yeah. word we use is aimless, right? Compared to the last two episodes, quite a lot happened. Compared to episodes we've seen in the past, not that much happened. <laughs> but, yeah, 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 but compared yeah. to the last two, which is like, Head and I'll do laundry. <laughs> now they're eating some kale. They're walking around. They're going look, to a party. Look, they found a coin. Oh no. Uh Xiao what's her name? May Chang. May Chang. Yeah. You don't even know her name. Why would I? <laughs> <laughs> Here is why this episode doesn't feel aimless. And that's because it has forward momentum Direction. in the sense that yeah <laughs> we know where we're going and i feel like the best example of this is we talked a lot about the scene last episode with salim and we talked about how it was an interesting scene but it also felt very lanky like why are we doing this and that's because before that scene the eric brothers knew that they wanted to go to the north so that whole scene with salim wasn't adding anything to the forward momentum of the plot you know it wasn't adding anything to the direction they're going they already know where they're going so they're basically taking this break here to talk to this kid they barely did anything in this all they did is walk in one direction and have a little tiny fight at the end like but that was enough because at least they had a goal yeah know? we're okay with that because they're going somewhere we're just so starved 
Pittsburgh. We're like, oh, thank God they're going somewhere. They're going somewhere. They chase after Scar, and they find Scar, and then Scar gets away. You know, it certainly sets every character's path forward, but it doesn't change anything we know about the characters. Those, though, Kimberly getting stabbed in the in the stomach is. I think one of the most jarring moments because these characters tend to have very long fights and then one of them runs away. Yeah, um, right. And this one actually ends decisively with Kimberly getting stabbed in the chest. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool. It sort of makes the stakes a little bit higher because mm-hmm. they've had so many fights, especially kind of in the middle of the series, which ends so indecisively. It's good to just have right. a fight end for... And yeah, Kimba gets away, but he doesn't, certainly doesn't get away unscathed. Yeah, it still felt a little shown in anywhere. Like, oh, it's this character and this character fight, and then this character and this character fight, and nothing happens, but one of them sort of wins. But it felt more decisive. Yeah, like Scar wins. Scar's stabbed in the chest. There's consequences, yeah. We got to know what happens when the power of ultimate destruction meets the power of explosions. I mean, he doesn't really beat him with destruction or even alchemy, right? He just kind of stabs him in the chest while Kimberly isn't looking. That's true. That's well, really true. Kimberly's just talking. Yeah, Kimberly's <laughs> just monologuing and then gets stabbed yeah, in the chest. Yeah, he's like, huh, I definitely don't have an advantage here because I've been sitting on cool. my butt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what? No. It's a classic mistake. You sly dog. You caught me monologuing. Yeah. <laughs> Incredibles. I wanted to go a little bit back about the subject of uh, the structure of this episode. And I was thinking a lot about Kimberly goes to fight Scar. And sure, it's a good fight, but we don't discover anything new about the characters. Like we knew that Kimberly killed Scar's brother. And we knew that Scar knew that Kimberly killed Scar's brother. So it's not really a revelation. Why did they put Kimberly's flashback, his origin story before this? Yeah. If they weren't a- going to... Yeah, if they weren't going to really use that to make the fight as emotional as it could be. Here's the weird part. I would argue they did. The problem is that they just also showed it two episodes before. This episode, in a vacuum, accomplishes the goal of telling Kimberly's backstory, right? Yeah, yeah, of, of uh, having an emotional like, well, payoff. Like, yeah, it. and like even Scar's reaction where he like freaks out and has a, a very well-drawn moment of blowing up the train. That stood out to me too. That's a beautiful, a beautiful uh, mode of animation. Really beautiful piece of Sakuga. This episode of the Vacuum is great. The problem is with the previous two episodes. You could have revealed that Kimberly killed they, Scar's family the they when... They did reveal it in this episode. They, yeah. And it's also revealed it in the other two episodes. Yeah, you're right. When he said that he remembers the faces of everyone that he killed, he was not kidding. He really does remember yeah. all of them, it turns out. Yeah. I was surprised the detail that <laughs> he, he remembers to recall to the whole family, everything. I will say, in defense of this episode, I'm a sucker for fights on trains. I think that's so cool. Right. It's always going to be cool. No, and it was great. I like how Kimberly, they're like, do you want us to stop the train for the fight? And he's like, no, it'll be cooler this way. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. Yeah, and like, you know, the music's going and the trains are going. That scene where Scar opens the door and he's all, ah, the light. It's cool. The lead up to that fight, to the Scar-Kimbley fight, was yeah, like almost as good or if not better than the fight itself. It really, that preamble where, where he's just opening the door and he's trying and he's listening and, and he just senses something is up is, is really cool. The lead up to the fight was much more fascinating than the actual fight. Even the scene where they were kind of figuring out where Scar went was much more interesting than the similar scenes we had on previous episodes, you know? Right. So we do get one interesting flashback scene of Ed and Al having a snowball fight, and I actually appreciated that. Yes, and the, and the snow homunculus. Yeah, I, I appreciated that too, <laughs> Charlie, and I, I also really missed that. I realized we haven't seen Ed and Al being brothers in yeah. kind of a minute. 
so it was nice to kind of have a even a moment where they're like, "Oh, look, snow! We've we've only seen snow once before." Yeah, it's a really organic moment that kind of regrounds our characters. Yeah, and when the show is at its best, it can do that in like a five or ten second scene. Most of the time, it does. So that was yeah, really great is... to get that back. Did anyone notice that this episode started off with a recap? Yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah, the, the announcer. I assume that old man is Ed. For as, as an it's older not, person it's not. talking about his life as a young alchemist. This isn't that kind of show. This isn't that kind of show. <laughs> it was an awkward time. I like how Kimberly has his own little train with a little logo on the front. <laughs> That's all. Let me just say something about those trains real quick. Maybe it's because I've seen Back to the Future 3 recently, but they stopped really fast. Very quickly. Yeah. All right, second train back off. That train just goes, whoop. <laughs> just like instantly backs off. I mean, it's something about the the physics of this world. Physics of this world into right, it. right, right, right. And I mean, because yeah. if we do, we're, then we're going to run into the problem of what year equivalent is it? Because it's all over the place. It's funny that they did not stop the train before. Like it was a whole huge fight, like six huge explosions. Their train is cut in half, and the two guys are up front are like, "Do you hear something?" <laughs> What's going on back there? <laughs> do you, uh, you think we should stop? There's a very awkward shot in this one. Of the guy with the mustache. They're having a fight and it's like, and it like takes a pause from the fight for like him to like say his little line, like, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> yeah, that was that poor man. <laughs> but it's like, it's just, it's just an odd tempo change in the fight where he's like, I'm getting out of here. These guys are crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was supposed to be like a comedy moment. I don't think anyone loves him. No, but it was a good reveal when it was him. That was good. When he gets like, because he's like, who are you? And it was like, he had a really good facial expression. Like his little (laughs) sniveling, like, (laughs) it turns out he's pride, probably. I don't know. (laughs) Is that a prediction? (laughs) That's my, that's one of them. That's a prediction. We're not there yet, Mike. We're not there yet. Hold on. Mike likes the shotgun method with predictions. Yeah, I just like to shoot him out there. Is pride. It's that beam of Homer shooting paint at Marge's face. <laughs> but it's just Mike's predictions. Like, he should. <laughs> but when I'm right, that paint hits you so good. This episode is clearly a transition episode. It's Wait, I, I, Can I just say, maybe it's because I've been editing this no, episode. I was about to say but we literally have been saying that for the past four How episodes. How can we <laughs> be transitioning still, though? You know? And each time we're like, no, it's okay. This episode is a, it feels a little transition to you. All That's right. right. Let, let, let's back that up. It goes without saying that this is clearly like a kickoff episode. There we go. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. That counts. We're done with transitions. It's time for kickoff. No more transitions. At the same time, we're kind of checking in on old characters, but also wrapping up threads from the previous arc, which is where that kind of scene at the end of the episode comes in, where we see Dr. Marco and Xiao Mei, or Mei Chen, finding the notebook. One of the things that frustrates me the most about this show and and a lot of anime is when they inconsistently have scenes that are relevant to the plot after the credits. I can can 100% continuity that I never watched those scenes when I first started watching anime. (laughs) You had no idea that where this book came from. (laughs) You never know. I've been watching them on Netflix because I can rely on Netflix to give me the skip to next episode button when Ah. there's not something after the credits, but it doesn't give me that button when there is something yeah it's it's a, that it's should a, be a life hack as much as like in our modern world we are very used to like post credits teases in 2009 2010 that was like not a thing that was on people's radar i think i realized that also on my second or third what do you think is in that book what do you think is like if they open that book? they say it it's all in code i don't know i don't know mike why do you think it's in that book i i think it's a bunch of drawings of a duck 
if you look at it one way, but it's a bunny if you look at Ooh. it another. <laughs> Amazing. I think it's a bunch of drawings like that. Yeah. The first page is, I have found the secrets of Ligma. And then Marco goes, what is Ligma? And he turns the page, Ligma nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I do have one last thing I want to say. It's a question for, for the writers. I am not a writer. Okay. How do we feel about introducing characters this late in a series that's just how a story works you introduce yeah. characters l very late into the story the question is like if you can introduce them well and if you, you can or if explain. you can if you can plan them a little bit early on and as i understand this character has been planted a few times it's also not that late i was thinking about that it did seem we're a little over halfway like, through but still i think it's it's pretty common even in a film you you get characters halfway through even past halfway through like but it can like feel the... bad it can definitely be done wrong so i think a couple things make this work one and i know this sounds kind of simplistic but the fact that they go to her instead of her just showing up yeah 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 is yeah. it's a big part of it she's part of this new location and this new chapter Agreed. as opposed to her kind of inserting herself into the action like no hate for on the fast and furious movies but like some like a villain <laughs> from like stop stop i, I will not hear all right I will not hear it. Okay. The, the noble and no. prestigious brand of Fast and Furious. You no, you will hear it. You will hear it. Finish your thoughts. <laughs> you will hear this. Absolutely. I'm it's actually not right even here. that good of an example now that I think of it because those are old characters coming back. But uh, yeah, no, Arthur. Get it again. <laughs> These are bad movies and they're, it's not okay uh, to like them. They are incredible. <laughs> some, some other movie where someone just shows up and inserts themselves into the action like well i have an opinion about what's going on and we're like we don't care but this <laughs> is she's got her own problems that our characters are coming into and that feels a lot better and the other part of it is that as the series goes on she is drawn into the central tension of the show and the fact that not trying to spoil too much but this location becomes important in every story there has to be a moment where there's kind of like that you breathe it back in again, and you start the second half of the story. And when you do that restart, when you start the second half, you kind of need something new to keep the engine running. Otherwise, if it's the same thing as the first half, it would feel like the previous episodes. You know, it feels like they're just kind of spinning their wheels until so the bad guys finally do something that warrants their attention. And if you're doing it right, at the end, you're resolving the original plot points from the very beginning at the very end. So it sort of bookends. And then in the middle, you are introducing kind of mini goals, like miniature sort of stories within that. The word arc sort of implies, I mean, obviously like an arc, it's, it goes up and then it goes around and then it goes down. But honestly, it's more like it goes up, then down, then up a little bit more, then down a little, then up and down, up and down, up and down, and then until... Well, but really, that's what escalation is, you know? You need things to go up and you need things to go down. You need that excitement of, like, change for someone to be engaged into a story. Not to get too technical, but... <laughs> I do want to take this moment to take the beating stick and bonk the show in the head for Garfield, uh, because every time I remember about Garfield, I cringe up a little. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, no. Uh, what yeah, was that, that about? I don't even know what's going on here. Some, uh... All he said this episode was... Uh... Ooh, they're going to die in the cold. You know, I, I obviously don't want to say it's a product of its time because that's not an excuse. They are still doing this. One Punch Man was it made in this decade or previous decade, actually. And 
it had a character that was basically the same joke. He's a big manly guy who's gay, and that's the joke with him. And it's like, fucking come up with a different joke. Yeah. Stop doing the same one joke, Japan, please. I think there's a lot of problems with uh, Japan and anime, and the fact that we're watching one of the better anime means that there's less of that. But I think as you proceed down the spectrum, you start to see more and more of that. Especially for this show, because this show is so good at giving you so many great little tiny meaningful connections to side characters. Yeah. That it is kind of a shame that they just like throw this opportunity away on the character that could have been more interesting, you know? Yeah, and I think that's what we have to look at it as. It's just lazy writing. So in last week's episode, we introduced our other anime correspondent, Matunzi Rapelli, who is currently making his way towards the land of Fullmetal Alchemist. I think we should check in with him again. How are things over there, Matunzi? Thank you again so much, Michelle. You are a gentleman and a scholar. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I did get lost again on the way to oh Full Metal Alchemist. I, I took a cab, you know, from UA over to Full Metal Alchemist, passed out, and ended <laughs> up in uh, New Jersey. Oh, wow. this establishment, uh, I believe, of my good friend Robert and his, and his fantastic hamburgers. That's right, I'm talking about Bob's Burgers. Oh, no. That's, that's even more far off. Delightful, wholesome fun. I do like these folk over here. Certainly this sounds my favorite expensive. Fox family. Yeah, don't at me, but they are. They're my favorite Fox family. It's just good old wholesome stuff. Even Louise, the tiny little devil. And if there's anyone out there that does not believe that Bob identifies as some sort of queer, you have a small world friend, a very small, small world, and you'll have a small life. Thanks again. All right, thank you, Batuzi. Yeah, thanks. Uh, hopefully we'll see uh, Matunzi next time when he's watched the correct show. <laughs> Should we wire him some money? He's stu- he's in New Jersey or Long Island. Yeah, depends he, seems, on who you ask. he seems to be getting further and further away <laughs> from Full Metal Alchemist as opposed to closer. I'm sure next time we check in with our other anime correspondent, Matunzi Rapelli, he will be closer. So uh, stay tuned for that. Does anyone else have anything else to say they want to say? I really like the way that Xiaomei is like a little brooch inside her little... Parka, I thought, you I know. thought it was very cool too. It's super okay. cute. Yeah, I guess the panda was in it a little. And that's actually really cute. And also, I, I think it's fun to have a little bit of like a quick return to see Lumpy Panda one more time because, my God, Lumpy Panda, what are you doing? Beware <laughs> <laughs> the false panda. Mike! Yes, what? Get out of the cold and get into the warmth, the warmth of the bat, as we go into everyone's favorite segment, Mikey at the Bat! I'm at the warmth of the bats. It's weird when you say it. <laughs> this is a segment in the podcast where Mike has to guess what happens in the next episode based only on the title and the thumbnail. Mike, would you please subscribe to us the thumbnail for next week's episode, The Ice Queen. We have Olivia, you know, she's just staring at the screen looking badass. <laughs> now I do see that she does have some lips. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, they're noticeable now. and Like, especially now it's like, Damn. Like, look at those lips. <laughs> you know, like, anyway. Her hair is flowing in the wind. It's called Ice Queen. I think we're going to learn about how this is my whole dig. And she's, we're going to go into a little bit of a flashback about what she did in the war and how she feels bad about the military. And she runs the military differently up here. And she thinks that there's some secret cabal of homunculuses at the center of the military. Or maybe she doesn't. They're going to tell her and she's going to be like, I knew it. Now that Mike has given his prediction, it's time for us to grade the episode on a scale for one to five stars. I'll get things started by giving it. I'm so torn because this discussion has actually lessened my opinion of the episode in question. And I don't know what grade to give it. I, I, 
I'm gonna give it a 2.5. You know, I think I understand the points you made, Charlie, about analyzing this episode in the vacuum. But I think we can't do that. No, you, you, you can't. This is the culmination of two weeks of very boring and nameless episodes. And as such, even though it's much more interesting than the two episodes that came before it, there's still some problems with it that we have to take out some points for it. So 2.5 is the score I'm going with. It's a solid three. I think, I don't know, I'm just relieved we're here. You know what it feels like? A long car ride to your grandparents' house. It's exciting because you're finally there, but it's not like anything's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like night. It's like nighttime. Like everyone's had dinner. Um, you know, you're you're happy, but tomorrow you're going to the beach. So that metaphor worked a lot better than I thought it was going to. Oh, I'm gonna give it a three stars as well. <laughs> and last last week I gave it an unenthusiastic three stars. This week I'm gonna give it an enthusiastic three stars. So you can sort of see the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the fact that I've kind of been bashing this episode for the last however long this podcast is, I actually really like this episode. I particularly just love the scene where the show confounds our expectations by ending a fight scene so abruptly with just Kimberly being stabbed in the chest. I think that it's really impressive when a show can actually surprise you. And because of that, I'm going to give it three and three quarters stars. Of all the fight scenes, this is the only one where I think, short of the big showcase fight scenes, where anything really surprising happens. And now it's time for What Did We Learn? So today's lesson is when you're giving like a good speech, know when to stop because I loved Kimberly's speech at the end and then it zooms out and he goes, at least on this battlefield. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's kind of a weird last line, but <laughs> all right. And if you don't want to get impaled by a piece of rebar, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FM Analysts. That's twitter.com slash FM, the word analysts. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review. We love to see those. We'd like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. You can check that out at fullmetal-analysts.tumblr.com. But watch out, there are spoilers there. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you'll receive extended versions of each episode a week early. That's right, you can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com slash fmanalysts. I'd like to thank our guest, Charlie Steingart, for coming. Charlie, thank you so much. Do you have anything you want to plug? No, I have nothing. I am no one. Forget about me. <laughs> How about this? Don't try and find me. I'm not interested in your feedback. Oh, that's great. <laughs> do that. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie, before you go, can you please do your best full metal alchemist like the interstitials? Full metal alchemist. I love those. They're so fun. That'll be all for now. We'll see you all next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then, stay frosty, everyone. Bye. <laughs>